Welcome to the Media Mavens Podcast, brought to you by the Evergreen Network. The Media Mavens Podcast is where you'll hear the latest and greatest trends, topics, and tribulations with industry leaders. And here is your host of the Media Mavens Podcast. She is the original Media Maven, Sarah Miller. Hi, this is Sarah Miller, CEO of Access Entertainment and your host for Media Mavens Podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Joe Pirates, public affairs sportscaster, the most awesome co-host of podcasts. Hi, Joe. Hello. Thanks for that uh, kind introduction. I mean, I try to be the co-hostess with the most. Hostess. There you go. I just love that. Sunday, 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 Sunday. Sunday. <laughs> this is why um, my our other co-host, Michelle, and I need a good guy media maven on. But OK, I'm so excited. I always love spending my afternoons with you, Joe. It's so good to have our podcast rolling the way it's been. We are on our season three right now, and we are now bringing in a lot of the finalists for the Media Excellence Awards. It's in its 13th year. It's all about honoring innovation and leadership. And I'm super excited because we have Ryan Stilbrook, who's a president and co-founder for Veritone, which is a, they're revolutionizing AI and they're one of the finalists in the MEAs this year. So Ryan, welcome to the show. We're excited that you're on today. All right, great. Thanks for having me. It's so awesome. Congratulations on being a finalist. I know AR is such a huge buzzword in general lately, but you guys have done such a great job. We started chatting with you a little bit earlier about Veritone, and you had such a good story because you and your brother have been in business together for a long time. And then you just started Veritone a few years ago, right? We did. Yep. It's, you know, it's been, we started off in, you know, kind of a derivative of ad tech, you know, and, and what we've done successfully with, you know, ad delivery and, and ad management systems. But just, you know, as technologies advance and com- compute gets so cheap and fast. And obviously with this sort of onset of, you know, powerful AI machine learning models, you know, we, we've figured out just creative ways of applying this next generation set of technologies into media entertainment yet again. And we're seeing great results. That's awesome. So I have an off question. I mean, you know, AI is amazing. We've had some great guests on about AI, but I've noticed with you guys, you, you and I mean, AI is about the artificial intelligence, machine learning. You guys have some a little bit of your toes dipped in the water in the government sector of justice and public safety. Is that correct? We do. We we do. We really service two areas, state and local law enforcement and certain branches or groups in the Fed. And they reigned in, for example, Department of Justice is a big client of ours where we're kind of the cognitive partner of record for them where when they are investigating large, complex cases that include, and obviously in the world we live in today, there's a ton of audio and video being captured, whether you know it's surveillance video or, again, it's, it's submitted as evidential material for a crime. They use Veritone technology and some applications we've created specifically for those use cases so they can sift through these millions of hours of content and audio 100% programmatically where just a few short years ago, they had hundreds of, of employees having to sit through and watch frame by frame, second by second of audio, trying to I- identify things, label things. And, and also, you know, we're exposed to a lot of what we see on television for you know, body cameras and dash cams with police officers, right? It's in the news almost every single day. Well, we also do programmatic redaction. So the personal identifiable information or blurring out people's faces 
that's all done programmatically now using our AI. That's I love how you said the feds. You sound so official, Ryan. The feds. <laughs> the, fed, the feds, yeah. <laughs> right. So, I mean, and I, we see a lot of this, the face recognition. You know, I mean, a lot of the people get, obviously, TV, movies, they do the face recognition. They run it through databases to try to find and scan. I mean, what happens when people start kind of questioning the accuracy of that? Because you can't really go in an audit, you know, and AI, you can always question a human, hey, are you sure you saw the right thing? But how is that? Where is a gray area, the percentage of error using AI in the federal? Well, it, it, yeah, I mean, it varies. I mean, each job is different, right? So what's the use case for the facial detection, right? You really need to understand that. It's kind of like saying, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cook a meal and I have utensils, right? But even in the, in the context of face identification and, and facial recognition, you you really you first need to say what what are we trying to solve here right what's the problem set why am I even wanting to use facial recognition or identification so for example if um, let's go right to it where if there's a crime and we're trying to sift through a bunch of video to look for potential suspects it's just like analysts sitting there it's probability right so the AI models currently used at at least for our software. They're not replacing the human. They're, let's just say they're calling the content down, right? And and again, we, you know, in, in everything is you know the, the key is we we nobody wants to try to convict or harass somebody who's innocent. But at the same time, when you have an example in Orange County, California, four million people just in a known offenders database, right? And you have a bunch of, of you know potential evidential material. It's a lot more efficient to use machines to right to whittle that down. When it gets to the point of, you know, let's say there's a hundred potential suspects to be very clear, due process is followed every single time, right? Humans are brought in, they do lineups, et cetera, right? People are not being arrested, right? Specifically because a machine said you did it, right? So that's kind of a little misconception out there. And then obviously you're talking about in, in, in media and entertainment, you know, how to, accuracy, you know, again, does it have to be hundred percent accuracy when you search for something on Google? right? And you search for Ryan Spielberg and you get 10,000 search results back. Do you immediately say, oh, he got, they got every single one? Obviously not, right? So in some instances, if you're trying to use it as a search query, right? So if I'm sifting through the entire archive of CBS News, which is a client of ours, and I'm trying to search for all of the frames of video that have Walter Cronkite, we obviously miss some, right? He may, it may be too grainy or he's not, he's looking away. But the point is, we, we very quickly help them cull down to find, you know, a very high percentage of content that fits that criteria. And therefore, that was just another example is, is in, a, in, a, in the context of search, it can be very powerful, even though, you know, it's not 100% accurate, and nor will it be for, you know, for even humans aren't 100% accurate, to be clear. So that just gives you an example, really need to understand is, you know, what problem are you trying to solve? How is the AI going to be utilized? And you can map back, back everything. You can do audit trails, to be very clear. Everything now can be mapped back to, in the, in the context of faces, right? A hash table that identifies, you know, whether, you know, you're looking at pixel dimension or distance between the eyes, whatever, whatever the models are, and there's so many different ones, all of them, all the reputable ones can be mapped back to, to your point and actually be audited. Interesting. So I love that most people use AI for the media entertainment space is a big thing they talk about because it's exciting for them. But what I love about Veritone is that, you know, besides the government um, judicial area, you guys actually 
have a big play in clean energy and green energy, don't you? Isn't that one of the areas? It is. Guys- it's 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 by far the most exciting thing that that it's I've ever been involved. Power. That's why I'm yeah. saying solar power. Yeah. Well, it's yeah, it's it's any form of renewable. The the pr- where we fit in the equation is, you know, we're trying to transition not just getting off fossil fuels, but the the power grids that were created. It, literally, architecture is going back seventy plus years. They were never designed to kind of have bi-directional um, power input functions, right? They're always, okay, I, I'm getting my, in my sources of energy from a few different locations, if you will, sources. And the legacy grids, you know, with very rigidly in an, sort of an analog sense, route that energy, you know, to different locations. Today, you literally have every day a dozen or more new, what they call IPP, independent power producers popping up. That could be a small solar array or a huge wind farm, right? You name it, geothermal, you pick your poison, biomass, that energy has to go somewhere, right? And so the grids, which have the infrastructure built, obviously, to to deliver the last mile to your home, we have to somehow figure out to get all this energy onto the grid, organized, right, and distributed without blowing up the systems, right? So what we do is our AI models, which is proprietary to, to Veritone, is we help organize that chaos, right? We help organize the, the sort of dynamic changes in demand, evaluating the, the real-time dynamic changes of supply. For example, I mean, when a sun, when there happens, this clouds part and a certain fixed array, solar array in Florida gets hammered by the sun for an hour, if they're not prepared for that, right? Or if they don't identify it in near real time, which is easy to, to do in a digital sense, but on an analog sense, it's a non-starter. I mean, it, not only are they potentially going to dump 80% of that potential energy on the floor, worst case, they're blowing up you know, huge transformers and whatnot, and it becomes a, a massive loss. So think of us as just, we do have the capability to easily cover all of our energy needs in the United States. That's not the problem. We, you know, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of time. And they all have you know, pros and cons of the different types of renewables. But where we fit is really great. What are we going to do with this chaos? And then, and then I'm going to throw in one more big variable, which is just awesome, is battery storage, right? It's not just about real-time switching, right, of, of like, let's say, continuous currents of energy. It's also the dynamic interplay with batteries, right? I mean, are you going to have battery backup at a grid? All of us, it, you know, right, every one of us in the future is going to have our own battery supplies at our home, whether it's a power wall from Tesla or, your, or you name it. So the orchestration of all that chaos and all those different variables is what Veritone has brought to market in our energy solutions. So you guys are in essence lowering the carbon footprint. You got the biometrics, the geolocation, the solar, the green energy. Basically, AI is now, as far as I could tell, unless I'm wrong, is kind of helping lower our carbon footprints. 100%. I mean, we, you know, we do have to run these models somewhere, right? Which takes energy. But again, you know, we whether we're running them independently, you know, working with NVIDIA or we're running these models in, in AWS or Google Cloud, all of them are fully committed to the problem as well. So even our ability to use or, or our need to use energy to fire off and run these models to then make the energy grid more efficient, right, is we're all fully kind of committed to this. And we're, and we're showing unbelievably fast progress across the board. Ryan, I'd like to know how you guys got this whole thing started because you started uh, Veritone in 2014. 
in taking a look at your background, you've always been an investor. You've been uh, one who's been an entrepreneur. You and Chad uh, really put something together. What was the impetus of starting Veritone? Well, again, it, it started off with a, a media problem. You know, we didn't very rarely do we think of the sort of the, the holy grail opportunity and just boom, you know, it's, it's, we've never had lightning in a bottle, to be clear. One day we hope to have one, but, you know, we're ne- we've never created a Facebook from day one. So this one followed the exact same path, which we had a media problem where we were, my brother and I owned a native-based um, ad agency that was pr- primarily doing branded integration and live reads on the radio. And they managed a, you know, a few brands, small boutique agency doing about 40 million billions a year. And they, had a, they, ran, they kept running into a problem at their scale where um, unlike spot-based ads, which you could look at ad logs and different things to, to prove when your ads were clearing, right? So you can do your attribution modeling and your ROI analysis. When they were doing the native integrations, the hosts are doing the live reads, it was completely dark. You really never knew when they aired, what stations, etc. So our theory back then, and this was in 2012, when we kind of came up with this initial kernel of an idea was, you know, could we harness, you know, the, the, the latest NLP related AI models into a cloud based architecture, so I can ingest, you know, up to 2000 audio streams, right, whether those are digital analog from all these radio stations, be able to ingest and, and process them in near real time, right, using these AI models to basically turn that linear audio stream into structured metadata, right? So in effect, I could then tell exactly when the host is actually doing that very organic live read, which prior to this was, you know, an analog stream and you had, you know, it was unstructured data and you didn't have the resolution. So that's what we set out to solve that one specific problem. It was very clunky that the state of the art of AI just, you know, not too long ago back then was terrible. Talk about bad accuracy. It was, it was not only poor accuracy, it was incredibly expensive. We stayed at it, thankfully. And then from there, really is where the big ideas hit. Like, wait a minute, what about all the different forms of cognitive AI, right? OCR, you know, object detection, face detection. If we could build a framework, right, that could start looking at these problem sets, um, still focused initially on M&E, but let's just say it's just the sheer tonnage of audio and video and, and unstructured IoT data, if we could figure out a way to build a model to ingest all this in, even if they're real-time streams, being able to orchestrate, you know, a whole multitude of different cognitive categories, again, face, language, whatever, we could solve a lot of different problems. And, and that's it. So it started with a simple business problem. We got to achieve scale in that initial business problem. And then that sort of presented the much larger, I'll say, enterprise class opportunity which, which is Veritone today. Do you guys do predictive analysis on any of this? Yes, we do. So in some areas, yes. So in energy, we're at a point now, we're not just analyzing, monitoring, and you know, forecasting has some elements, obviously, of prediction in it. But we, we are now definitively predicting optimal pricing and distribution patterns on the grid, some of the IP we do in those very complex systems which we're excited about. They're not fully autonomous yet. There is a feedback loop. So it's somewhat supervised, but we do envision probably in the next several quarters where in certain areas of the grids, the, the energy grid deployments that we can have fully autonomous predictive modelings to, you know, so, you know, the goal is to not drop one, right, hertz of energy or, in, you know, and watt of energy, in, you name it. So, I mean, it's funny because I know you guys 
are big in the entertainment, the film, TV broadcast. And, you know, I don't want to downplay. I know that's just as important for AI, but of all the AI companies we've talked to, you know, that have been clients or is on the podcast, it's all very media content heavy, AI heavy. I think you're one of the first ones we've talked to that actually has a pretty large footprint in solar energy, green energy, and the government. So I think, you know, compared to everybody else, you guys are doing a tremendous job because you're really pivoting over to the areas that need the AI, need that kind of analysis and the technology. Because like in a lot of companies, I mean, we've all seen in the news, they all focus on entertainment and media. And we're in LA, so we get that. But I love that you guys are stepping out of the Hollywood trend here into these other areas that I think there's not enough education on of why they should use AI and the difference it's making for everybody who lives around in these rural areas. Which kind of leads me to my question, are there any areas or like states, cities, locations that you're seeing that is more adaptive to AI on the solar green energy area? Or is it kind of equal across the board since it's such a new technology yeah. into the market? Yeah, I, I mean, it's pretty ubiquitous now. It's exciting. I think the administration change has, I think it's, there's a perception that it's added just more fuel to the fire. To be clear, I mean, the demand and kind of the collective efforts to, to move this ball forward in terms of renewable and sustainable you know, energy systems, it's been there already, right? I think this just makes it maybe a little bit easier for private companies to get funds and subsidies right from the government to accelerate that process. But so I, this is def, definitely a national effort. You know, there's obviously some states that make it easier for these independent power producers to set up shop, if you will, right? You know, they're, they're more tax favorable for these businesses. You know, California's tough, <laughs> top to bottom yeah. to do really anything here. But, but even in California, you're seeing, you know, heavy, heavy investment into renewable energies of all sorts. So no, I wouldn't pick out any specific state or municipality that says, yes, they're doing it right and only them. And I say that because it's, it's definitely a team sport, right? You know, energy is fungible. It can move around. It's dynamic. And, and again, you know, the, for, for these size of projects, I mean, some of them have to be interstate focused, definitely cross city focused. So I think there's a lot of uh, sort of aligned and collective focus on solving this problem. Ryan, do you see a, a point where your AI would be used in perhaps, you know, we're talking about renewable energy, but I'm thinking about uh, electric cars and, and other forms of uh, transportation like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you look at the areas where there's just a ton, I mean, AI in the autonomous vehicles is a huge area where there's been a, a ton of investment, right, already, right? Chat bots, conversational AI, Alexa voices and stuff like that. There, we all, there's a few categories that there's, there's lots of the, the intelligence on autonomous cars, right? The real-time orchestration of the sensors and the cameras, you know, for geospatial in, uh, awareness and analysis, you know, it, frankly, we, I don't think we could add too much to that equation right now right? These groups are very specialized in that. One area we are focused on the car and on the autonomous side is actually inside the car, right? It's the infotainment experience, right? Of you, the people in the car, you know, interacting with things, listening to the radio, using your voice to command personalizing experiences in the connected car. So we're currently working with a multitude of different OEMs, I'll say chip providers, who are trying to, let's say, tackle what's kind of the next generational experience for the people in the car, not necessarily for us um, controlling the car itself. Okay. What about politics, Ryan? I mean, what about using AI in politics? I mean, I know there's been a lot of controversial, you know, through the last administration about 
the hacking and voting and stuff. But do you think that's going to AI is going to be adaptable, or do you think it's just an area that AI is never going to put it cleanly move into? Yeah, AI will be a tool to help solve other much bigger problems that I mean, just social media is so big and powerful, right? I mean, it's, you know, controlling communication or or the the limitations of communication have almost dictated nations going back forever, right? I mean, the real time, seamless, instantaneous communication from all people, it's tough, right? And it's hard to police, right? Particularly when these are a bunch of private companies that own it. And and frankly, they're not governed. And they have actually have exemptions from right FCC oversight and others. It's tough. It's tough to go in from a from a third party perspective. AI can help because at least the machines can you know have the ability to sift through that content, right? And try to find deep fakes and, and other things quickly. But at the end of the day, I mean, if all that, if 99% of that consumption of that content surrounding politics, it's because so much of our political ecosystem is dominated or interwoven in media. If so much of that is controlled by three or four groups max, I mean, that's dangerous, right? And that's the, and that's the fear we have. Whatever your politics are, is the fact that people can, you know, arbitrarily turn off a voice, how, however crude and offensive that voice is, that should make us all very concerned, right? Period. If they want that, if they want that ability to do that, then they have to be treated and, and managed and governed just like every other media property, right? Has to adhere to rules and standards. So yes, the answer is it can definitely help. But frankly, if we don't have access as a government, as a nation to police the news groups themselves, which is absolutely Facebook, Google, right? In, in Apple, you name it. AI is, it, it is a worthless tool. We still have to have access to those gateways. Are you uh, expanding your services to other countries that would be interested in something like this? Because we're talking about, you know, bad actors who can really manipulate this. I, I'm sure that there are some bad actors across the world who would love to get their hands on this. Yeah, that's an ethical thing we, we struggle with all the time. Like today, you know, we... Well, first of all, we're not really allowed to. There's very strict rules and oversight, particularly since we are already in the Fed space, right? Okay. That, you know, again, there's lots of money to be made if we wanted to license, you know, our technology to certain certain named countries, right? Which we don't, which we do not do. Frankly, a lot of those same countries are vastly ahead of us, like by a decade plus in AI, right? Supremacy anyway, to be clear. So, you know, not Tudor, you know, it makes us feel good that, that there's some demand for, for it. But no, I mean, it's, it, you, know, can, you know, AI is like fire. And, I, and I'll say it really simply is, you know, it's incredibly powerful, right? It's been a, it will be, right, a, a pivotal mover in terms of society advancing or regressing, right? It can be dangerous. It can be incredibly powerful, right? And change, change how you live. It's a tool. It's a very powerful tool. It, and, and again, it's not something that necessarily can be can be infinitely governed. You know, it's going to be per- permeable and accessible to everybody. So, you know, I think it's just unfortunately, you know, this is one of those areas where it's kind of like social media. The, you know, the, the you know, kind of the cat's out of the bag already, right? It's going to have to run its course. Bad actors already have the same tools, and and even in some instances, much deeper pockets than the good guys with the same tools. And I can say the same thing with social media related things. So unfortunately, you know, I I think we're going to have to go through a lot more learning, right? As a society with these new technologies released on the market, you know, and, and, you know, case in point, like look what just happened with 
infinite communication, you know, deep fakes, bad actors, it's going to be scary, but it, there's not a clear answer of how you're going to police it. Well, it's kind of like with AI, it's like, oh, the hacking. We've had a few guys on the show that are pretty big, you know, the ethical hacking and security. And I just think the scary thing about the AI is you get these hackers that are pretty savvy that are hacking into accounts and, you know, hijacking databases. The fact that they can have access to APIs and the AI technology, it is a little bit scary knowing what they can do to people's identities and the hacking. I mean, think about, I mean, they're just using their basic tools, but to use AI to like mirror something else or a platform or security, I think that's where it gets a little bit scary because AI is a powerful tool. And I just think anybody could start to do it, but isn't, I mean, you, I know you guys are also, you're publicly traded. And so I feel like the catch 22 to this, and I get to the point here, is that people are adapting to new technologies. AI is a new technology, but there's a lot of people who are afraid to adapt to new technologies. I kind of wonder where that plays into the security of our accounts as an individual, as a nation, a government when it comes to AI. There's a lot there, right? You know, we could spend... That was a, a big question, se- I know. It's a big <laughs> session on that answer. A... Every business is trying to figure out a way, you know, if they're, if they're in the business of making money, right. And reducing costs, everybody is looking of how to use advanced AI machine learning, right. To increase operational efficiency, right. And, and hopefully, you know, you know, generate more profits and that's just, and that's ubiquitous, right. Uh, Along that path, Groups are going to have the ability, some of them using AI, I mean, it is completely innocuous, right? There is no security risk based against the use case that you're trying to use it in, right? Meaning us processing audio video, looking for ads, right? Is at times as powerful as, as us analyzing, right? Security footage or a biometric access point to get into your building. But again, just the use case, using that tool for that use case, let's just say does the risk quotient is very low. That being said, that same business is saying, hey, you know, we're, we currently work with Silence for cybersecurity protection. And they've just come out, you know, with a, a new advanced AI model for adversarial warfare against, you know, future cyber threats. And that model, the same type of, of design of those AI models to protect, to your point, can obviously be used to attack. Right. And at a scale that's just insane. Right. The, I mean, it candidly, if we're, if we're talking about, you know, RSA encryption back in the old days based upon X number of bit characters to, to hack into something. I mean, that was a hard problem a while ago. Right. And, and frankly, to, with today's, it's not just computational prowess, but really to your point, derivative AI machine learning capabilities. You know, those problems can be solved in mere milliseconds these days. Right. So I, the point is, People are just going to, we're going to have to figure out quickly, just like we have gateways and access to our homes, be careful where you're deploying these technologies. It does it create a potential risk for you, your employees, your shareholders, right? Or whatnot. But again, if you have the ability and you are, you know, and if you really need AI to help sift through all your business intelligence data to make better financial decisions, right? Or for compliance reasons with an audit. Well, we hope we can deploy that technology so it's running on-prem, for example, like meaning it's in a network isolated environment. So, so it can't be necessarily hacked, right? At least the AI models themselves are be used. It just depends. The you know, long-winded answer is tools can be used in different ways, both from the incumbent side of the business, but also for those trying to candidly break into that business from the outside. Got it. Okay. Long-winded answer for a long-winded question I had, but I want to get off the whole 
tech train here for a second. So it's so funny. So just to pivot over to the later side and dumb side of stuff with AI, there is a lot of entertainment using AI. And I know we don't have a lot of time to get into this, but I just saw binge watched, I think two seasons, I got Amazon Prime of humans where they use the AI for the human bots. You know what I'm talking about? Have you seen that show or heard about it? Humans on Amazon Prime? No, or... I haven't. I have not okay. Watched that yet. He's too wanna... busy making it, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a few new shows that are not show. There's a few shows out that I think they're out of two or three years ago before AI really caught steam. And yep. the shows were all about, and there actually was a really great uh, four season binge with Amazon Prime. It's called Humans. And it really gets into how advanced AI gets when it comes to human bots and replacing actual people with humans that are AI and bots and stuff is a fascinating show. I just thought I'd bring it up to see. Yeah. I mean, it's, if I have you read 11,000 phrases, right. And I have six hours of video of you, right. And, and I ask you to do very specific, you know, actions, wanting you to be natural. You, we want you being you, I can render a avatar likeness of you, right? That is indistinguishable. So for example, you know, ABN Broadcasting, or is it MBN? MBN Broadcasting in Korea right now, their most famous broadcaster on the number one rated news network. She's been cloned and she actually now airs like 75%. She's aware of this, obviously. (laughs) Her advertiser airs 75% of all the new broadcasts. It's incredible. I mean, it literally is broadcast quality, 4K, right? It's amazing. Now, and you would, ne- you would never know it was an AI bot. It would never know it wasn't her, right? It's that it, realistic? It's that, it's that good. It's that oh, good. And, and, and again, there, and it's, but it takes a while. I mean, just to get there, just to be clear, after all that training data is built, it takes two to three months of rendering, right? But just like everything, you know, if you're trying to render like a 3D, you know, hyper-res CGI movie, right? Back in the day, that would take months, right? Now it takes days. So that three months is going to continue to get shorter and shorter and shorter. So yes, we do have to fully appreciate that, you know, and by the way, these models can change to adapt to you, right? I mean, I fully, and I'm terrified and I don't want this to be a case, but it's going to happen that half of my children's best friends quotes are, is going to be a completely fictitious, but highly AI driven, intelligent avatar. Period. Amazing. It's going to show up with new things and ideas, you know, and it's, you know, and again, it's not thinking on its own. It's going to be heavily differentiating it, coming up with topics that I think I'm going to talk about. It's going to be formed and try different types of personalities to engage me, right? Candidly, we, we, we have the blueprint for this, right? It's called social media. Now just emulate that into these actual people they look like eventually though they're going to show up in my house and walk around but at least right now it's going to be a fully highly rendered 3d models that in 4k that look indistinguishable from a real person i could see hollywood honestly using this to keep uh, actors that uh, you know maybe dead putting them in movies where you know you wouldn't recognize whether the guy's a fake or real but then you'd be seen like you know, Jimmy Cagney. Yep. They're doing with Tom I mean, Hanks. There, there's so many. Yeah. I mean, it, we are here <laughs> to be very clear. This is not in the future. This is, this is now absolutely now. And some of them are like, they're trying to be before people get too old and they lose their faculties. They're trying to create, which is, you know, whatever you think about this, right. Is you create the legacy avatar 
right, of your dad, right? And so he, in effect, can have a fully, you know, in, a conversation with his grandkids, even though he's passed 10 years ago. Wow. Um, rebirthing Walter Cronkite is a real thing. Imagine Walter Cronkite showing up and, and doing the nightly news tonight, right. et cetera, et cetera. So well, that the, the, for hologram was because there's a company in L.A., that was doing the holograms with Elvis Presley was doing a bunch of great stuff. The hologram theater up on sunset, but I don't, I mean, I don't think they ever really got that off the ground, but they were trying to do the whole hologram that we had Swan Lake. I've seen a lot of their stuff and it was, it was great likeness, but you could still tell there was very translucent. It wasn't yeah. a true, like if you look at stunting, look at all the CGI. It's, it's, it's so scary where we are going with technology, but it's kind of cool at the same time that, those become scary again, that you could walk down the street and think you're talking or seeing somebody, a conversation, and it may not even be them. It's just, yeah, I think, you know, I think just frankly, because us, you know, who are over the age of 20, think so much of AI is a physical bot. I mean, but to be clear, I mean, our children live 99.9% of their social interaction through their phone. So I don't think it needs to get for, for you to have the full experience of that fully AI rendered persona. It doesn't have to be a physical presence. It is. It's, it's the same. I mean, again, how I view and interact with you on Snap is going to be the exact same with this fake creature. And we're, and we're seeing an early precursor of that with a chatbot, right? I mean, that's like the, you know, like the baby step to it. You just take that technology times 10, right? Add the real time, the, you know, the synthesized voice in the face and boom, you're getting there, right? Well, my Siri and my iPhone's AI. I mean, he Get smarter <laughs> the longer I talk to it. But no, it's, right. it's AI is just in such amazing technology. It's such an innovative thing. And, you know, we're running out of time, Ryan. Real quickly, what it, what's, I mean, I know you guys are public, so I don't want to get too much into the whole trading and stock on this. You guys have gone through COVID. You're a finalist. You're still here, which is great. Is there anything we have for anybody to what you guys are launching or anything that's innovative that you can't talk about? I know you guys can only talk so much about what's to come being a publicly traded company, but is there anything innovation-wise coming out of the company on AI that you could talk about real quickly that we could look forward to in 2021? Yeah, sure. I mean, reinforce what we're doing in energy in a big way. You know, we, we've we've announced some you know very early things, but we, you know that's big, right? I mean, of all the things we talked about and the scary side and. You know, I, I think that that we're really going to make a dent in the universe as it relates to being part of the solution, right? To to really move this forward, we're really excited about that. We've talked about some of the things we're working on on this call, right? Just yeah. recently, in sort of the uh, the synthetic side of things, right? For you know, extending content and, and different areas. So stay tuned. You know, we we work with, you know, we we have over twelve hundred customers in media and entertainment. You know, we work with many studios and networks and broadcasters. So we're, we're in a position to work with these partners, right? To, to really say, you know, what is, you know, the next generation of content? And those efforts have already started. And because and we, again, we have the, the tools, we have the content, we have the training data, we have the index. And now with the, with the partners around us and, and, and some of these new, you know, AI models and synthetic generation opportunities... We're going to push the envelope and see, you know, what what people like and and what they're rejecting. But it that, that's all going to happen this year. Interesting. Awesome. One quick question, Brian. 
where can anybody, if they want to reach out to you guys or want more information on AI or any of the sectors you guys are in, where is a good place for everybody to go to? <sighs> That's a great question. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to default and say, you know, info at veritom.com right now. But no, but seriously, I think they, um, we can try to follow up and we can sort of share information to to your listeners, you know, through appropriate channels. But yeah. just come to come. I mean, we're, we're, we're still a small company. So, you know, we have 300 employees. So come to veritom.com, you know, go to about us and contact us and you will get responded to. And, you know, you, you, you know let's just say we're not quite the scale where we need all bots to read our emails. <laughs> so, we're, we, you know, we're still processing them. So I say, hey, reach out. You know, it's the best idea is not inside our walls yet. Right. And so I, I welcome any, any and all callers. No, I, I love that. There are still humans answering the phone over there. And I, I love the fact that you guys are a startup and you're publicly traded. It's always good to see startups like that are so ahead of the market that they're able to go public and do an IPO in early stages. You, you guys have done a great job so far. So it's exciting to see companies and startups like Veritone coming to the market right now. I appreciate the time. I really appreciate that. Thank you. So this is Sarah Miller, Meet a Maven Podcast. I want to thank you so much, Ryan, for being on the show today. Joe, always a pleasure having you. I learned a lot today. I learned a lot. Like of all of our podcasts, not to keep things going, this was, and no offense to anybody listening, because we love all of our podcast guests. They've been so fascinating, great. But Ryan, this has really been, besides the NASA guys, this has really been <laughs> such an educational, amazing, like learning podcast. Yeah. See, I'm that's, the, diff- that's the difference of, yeah, that's the difference of a UCLA education versus a double PhD at MIT, right? Oh. There's a difference. You got, you, you got, you got, you got JPL or you got me as a Bruin. What are you going to, you got to take what <laughs> you, you know, got. I got to say, you are so close <laughs> to being up there with our NASA <laughs> guest, Joe. Why not yeah. on that one? <laughs> Yeah, but Let's you know clear. what? I, I I hire those people, right? If I can't hire, <laughs> if I can't hire smarter than myself, just shut the doors. Oh, good one. You know what? But I'll tell you something, Ryan. You got a long <laughs> way to go to a Ron G, though. <laughs> Ron right, G is are... one of our podcast guests who just happens to be probably one of the funniest guys in the world. But now I'll tell you something honestly, Ryan. I I learned that I don't know enough about AI, and I really got to read up on it. Well, it's coming for us. It's here. Yes. Let's hopefully we don't miss the ball like we did in understanding social media, right? Because right. I think that that that's going to have impact for generations, right? With our kids and how they act and interpersonal skills. I mean, you name it. You know, we're we're we missed that boat. We can't miss this one. Gotcha. This is right. awesome, Thanks, Ryan. guys. Thank you so much, Thanks, guys. Ryan. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Media Mavens Podcast. If you don't want to miss an episode or download past episodes, subscribe to the Media Mavens podcast on your favorite podcast provider or on the Evergreen Podcast Network. To learn more about the podcast or our guests, log on to www.mediamavenspodcast.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.